Hello and welcome to this week's podcast brought to you by BJ Oncology. Today we will be joined by five leading experts who share some of the highlights in esophageal and gastric cancer research presented at the ASCO GI 2024 meeting. First up, we'd like to introduce Yelena Janjagian from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Centre, who discusses the evolving landscape of treatment for HER2 positive metastatic gastric cancer. She highlights the Destiny Gastric O3 trial exploring trastuzumab DRX-DCAN with prembolizumab in HER2 positive and low gastric cancer. The field is constantly evolving. For HER2 positive space, we now have antibody drug conjugates. And what we've learned for, from bladder cancer and uh, breast cancer and other diseases, antibody drug conjugates are actually quite good at augmenting the response of immune checkpoint inhibitors, and they work together uh, to improve responses. In fact, some of the responses uh, in bladder cancer trials have been really uh, groundbreaking. So DGO3, Dustin and Gastric03, is a trial that is uh, using uh, the modern approach with trastuzumab deroxetecan, which is HER2 um, uh, ADC with very high drug to antibody ratio, 1 to 8, uh, and a topotecan type uh, payload uh, in combination with uh, anti PD1 therapy. Uh, we are using, uh, historically, we used pembrolizumab, and now we're exploring other bispecific antibodies with PD-1, CTLA-4, and PD-1 digit, uh, and showing that in combination, and also in combination with capecitabine. Capecitabine is such a cornerstone of treatment for gastric cancer. Um, so we're taking ADCs from later line, second and third line, to first line therapy in combination with capecitabine and immunotherapy to continue to improve outcomes for her positive metastatic gastric cancer. Next, Yelena Janjigian discusses the phase three Keynote 811 trial, presenting key pre-specified exploratory outcomes on health-related quality of life in patients with untreated HER2-positive metastatic gastric or gastroesophageal junction adenocarcinoma. Keynote 8.1 is a large phase three study that changed practice for patients with HER2-positive uh, tumors that also have PDL1 overexpression in stage four disease. Uh, and so what we demonstrated before that uh, this regimen, the combination of capecitabine, oxaliplat in combination with pembrolizumab and trastuzumab improved overall response rate, or progression-free survival, and in certain subgroups, preliminary the overall survival uh, compared to placebo plus trastuzumab and chemotherapy. From the phase three data, we show that the quality of life is very important. Uh, these patients come in quite symptomatic, and you want to improve their quality of life so then they can stay on treatment longer. Overall response rate is improved with this regimen, and in the Congress, uh, this. Uh, uh, week, we're able to demonstrate that so does quality of life. Um, it's consistent, it's not surprising, it's what we expected, but it's nice to have that confirmatory data. And now, Yelena Janjagian provides an overview of the Phase 3 Matterhorn study, which aimed to enhance perioperative therapy for resectable gastric and gastroesophageal junction cancer, with the addition of dobalumab to FLOC. Matterhorn is a large phase three global study enrolling patients uh, across the world in Asia, United States, uh, South, South and North America, and Europe, looking at uh, FLOT regimen in combination with darolumab or placebo. 
Uh, this was the first study of its kind to be able to globalize FLOT regimen. As you know, it's uh, widely used in Europe and some parts of the United States, but historically is not that uh, implement well implemented in Asia. So we demonstrated uh, previously that pathologic complete response is improved with the addition of darolumab. Uh, compared to placebo. And at uh, this uh, Congress at ASCO-GI, we're presenting the geographic data, looking at outcomes, both baseline patient characteristics, but also treatment outcomes, uh, and downstaging and pathologic response across different parts of the world. 19% of the patients were enrolled in Asia, which is the highest uh, uh, percentage of uh, patients in the trial ever treated in, with FLAT in Asian countries. What we demonstrated uh, as expected that the patient characteristics of patients with gastric and, uh, cancer in Asia is different than the rest of the world. Uh, we saw a higher percentage of gastric cancer patients compared to G-junction patients, which is what we see in the Western population. More patients with ECOG performance status of zero, uh, higher T4 stage percentage, uh, and more node positive disease. And despite these differences in baseline patient characteristics, the odds ratio favored uh, darolumab for improvement in pathologic complete response. And moreover, the improvement in the response was exactly the same, 12%. This is good to see that you're able to approach treatment for this disease globally. It makes clinical trials uniform so that we can study these population of patients uh, all together and standardize approach. It will help us uh, improve outcomes. We also demonstrated that irregardless of where, uh, which country or which region you look at, the odds ratio consistently favored addition of darolumab. So again, very reassuring uh, for this global study. Uh, it shows that FLOT is doable. Irregardless of the geographic region, even in regions that historically may have not used FLOT that much, 90% uh, of patients completed all four cycles of FLOT preoperatively, which is great. And over 60% of patients were able to complete all four cycles of FLAT adjuvantly, which is actually better than we expected. Uh, the study accrued ahead of its schedule in the time of the pandemic, again highlighting that the, the moder in the modern oncology practice, these regimens have a role. Uh, we need to wait for the event-free survival data from the Matterhorn study before we can say that it's practice changing. Uh, but we are hopeful that if it changes practice, it'll change practice all over the world. Next up, Samuel Louis Citrin from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center presents research on the use of circulating free DNA analysis in esophagogastric cancer. In gastroesophageal adenocarcinoma, there is many new uh, exciting treatments coming through the pipeline, many of which are targeted non-chemotherapeutic options, which really means that uh, tissue next-generation sequencing is um, exceedingly important in the management of this disease. One of the downsides, one of the drawbacks of tissue-based sequencing is that the heterogeneity of this disease suggests that a biopsy limits the utility of a single site biopsy because there's heterogeneity within a single patient across different lesions, not to mention that biopsies can at times be invasive, if not even um, unfeasible. So MSK Access is a blood-based liquid biopsy tumor-informed platform that allows for comprehensive, less invasive uh, sequencing. And so this is a retrospective series looking at uh, our experience in almost 100 patients who had MSK access collected prior to receiving any treatment. 
there are really two takeaways that we saw. First, from a molecular profiling perspective, that blood-based sequencing using MSK access was concordant with uh, the molecular profile that we found on tissue-based sequencing using MSK impact, um, of which we had uh, paired samples of tissue and blood. There was uh, one area in which the MSK axis appeared to be slightly less sensitive, um, and that was detecting uh, copy number alterations, where it's particularly pertinent to this disease as ERBB2 amplifications uh, have implications regarding treatment and HER2-directed therapy. So that was one area where we saw that it was less sensitive than tissue-based sequencing, otherwise significantly concordant. The second uh, real important takeaway with uh, blood-based uh, sequencing is the idea of using it as a prognostic indicator. The idea of being patients with detectable versus undetectable, uh, specifically at each stage of disease. So we had, we looked separately at uh, patients within each stage, locally advanced, potentially curable disease, untreated metastatic disease, and then those with later line, more advanced disease who had progressed on first line and were getting second line treatments. And what we saw, of course, it's, you know, the caveats being this is a retrospective uh, series and relatively small sample size, but there was a signal that patients who had undetectable circulating tumor DNA had uh, better outcomes, longer overall survival compared to those who had detectable circulating tumor DNA prior to any treatment. And then we also looked at patients who at the 10-week mark had a second collection and those who had persistently positive compared to those who had were initially positive but had converted to negative. Uh, at that 10-week time point, and those patients appear to be a little bit more similar in terms of their outcomes to those who are undetectable at baseline. But of course, you know, prospective and larger cohort studies are needed to really validate these findings. Next, Samuel Louis Citrin presents a pilot PET study using the positron-emitting agent 18F-BMS986229 for pdl one imaging in advanced esophagogastric cancer. So, you know, after more than a, a decade of no real changes in practice for untreated metastatic disease over the last two years, we've seen that the addition of immune checkpoint blockade, PD-1 inhibitors to chemotherapy has changed practice for the first time. Um, and the benefit does seem to be enriched in patients with higher PD-L1 expression. And certain uh, approvals and NCCN recommendations are based on PD-L1 combined positivity score, uh, which is assessed by a single site biopsy. But as is the case with uh, oncogenic drivers or you know, alterations, PD-L1 expression is also incredibly heterogeneous uh, in this disease. And a biopsy of the primary tumor may have a different PD-L1 CPS compared to the liver biopsy. And patients you know, who have an initial assessment at one institution that uses one assay may have a different score on you know, a different institution. Um, and you know, dependent on the pathologist. So there's a lot of variability that comes to lead to this one single score that's supposed to have this output of a recommendation, right? Um, what PDL1, and so this was a pilot study looking at 10 patients who received a small molecule macrocyclic peptide um, called 18F-BMS986229 um, that is uh, a PDL1 targeting radio tracer. The idea being that after the injection of this tracer, they had comprehensive head-to-toe PET imaging to, at a single time point with a minimally invasive diagnostic tool, be able to evaluate pdl one expression across all disease sites. 
some of you know there are a couple of other pilot studies that have been published looking at other PDL1 labeled radio tracers. Most of these are radio labeled uh, antibodies. One of the advantages of this tracer is that it, because it's a small molecule and not an antibody, the kinetics are much faster. So it allows for same-day injection. So the patients had injection, had the radio tracer injected, and then an hour later had PET imaging, as opposed to having to come in several days apart. Uh, this was also the first uh, pilot study that evaluated uh, pd one PET imaging in gastroesophageal cancer of any kind. So that was really exciting. And what we saw is that num this was a safety and feasibility study. We saw, number one, this was safe. There were no adverse events related to the tracer or the PET imaging. Uh, number two, you know, no patients had any delays in their treatment. Of course, the caveats of a uh, you know, 10-patient uh, cohort, but we did see that it was concordant with Pathologic, radio, radiologic and pathologic PDL1 expression was concorded because we had uh, biopsies of all of the lesions and then radiographic assessments by expert nuclear radiologists looking at those. Um, so there was concordance of this radio tracer with the pathologic evaluations, but it also highlighted the heterogeneity of PDL1 expression. And then there were some signals that patients who had upfront PD1 treatment who had avid lesions had a better outcome compared to those who didn't. But you know, in terms of next steps, certainly need uh, larger cohorts uh, to validate these findings. And really the questions that it brings to mind are, can we use, how can we, how can we use this tool to better guide uh, management selection uh, for patients getting PD-1 blockade? You know, is it going to be maximum avidity, uh, you know, uh, change in avidity from pre to on treatment, um, a change in FDG avidity by greater than 35% is associated with improved outcomes. So is it going to be something similar that we see with pd one PET imaging? Or, you know, perhaps thirdly, the homogeneity or heterogeneity of pd one avidity. You can imagine two patients with liver and lymph node and lung lesions, one has all of their lesions are pd one pad avid and another just one is. You can imagine that perhaps the patient with better, more homogeneous pd one expression on pd one pet imaging might do better. Of course, there are limitations to pd one expression itself predicting outcomes to checkpoint blockade, but this is at least a comprehensive, less invasive uh, means of evaluating that. And now we have Kohi Shitara from the National Cancer Centre Hospital East presenting the four-year follow-up results of the Phase 3 Checkmate 649 trial, evaluating nivolumab in combination with chemotherapy versus chemotherapy alone in previously untreated advanced non-HER2-positive gastric cancer, gastroesophageal junction or esophageal adenocarcinoma. Checkmate 609 is a global Phase 3 trial. Uh, which showed the improvement of PFS and the overall survival with chemo plus nevo compared with chemotherapy and established the current standard of care. And the study met a primary endpoint at the first interim analysis with minimum, minimum follow-up of one year. And then two year, one year additional follow-up. In total, two-year follow-up was published in Nature two years before. And additional uh, total three-year follow-up data was presented last ASCO GI meeting and very recently published in Journal of Clinical Oncology. And in this ASCO uh, GI, we presented the four-year follow-up data. 
uh, in gastric cancer, you know, to achieve the long-term uh, survival or cure is very difficult. So to observe the, such long-term benefit is very important. And here we observed the 17% four-year survival rate. Uh, with uh, chemotherapy plus uh, nivolumab uh, compared with uh, 8% with chemotherapy alone, especially in patients with pd one CPS5 or higher. So there was an absolute 9% difference in four-year survival rate. And uh, even in all common population, uh, there is a 5% difference in four-year survival rate. I believe this is a very important to suggest that the sustained benefit of chemo plus nivolumab there is also a difference in PFS like that, and uh, uh, we also observed a sustained PFS too. Uh, this means uh, 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 until the uh, progress with disease under the second rank chemotherapy, and uh, we also observed uh, a random analysis stratified by the response until eight, 18 weeks, and uh, suggesting good response during the chemo nibo is very good predictor for a very nice survival outcome. So overall, this four-year survival data from Checkmate 609 clearly supports chemo plus nivolumab as a current standard of care based on prolonged and clinical meaningful durable survival benefit. Ken Cato from the National Cancer Center Hospital discusses a retrospective investigation into the concordance between 3 pdl one scoring methods and their association with clinical outcomes in Rationale 302. The Rationale 302 study is a comparison between the uh, chemotherapy alone uh, to the tisrelizumab, the PD-1 antibody alone, and the second line uh, chemotherapy for the esophageus gamma cell carcinoma. And in this study, so we use the TEP score uh, for evaluation of the PDL1 uh, positivity. Uh, so uh, this is uh, similar to the CPS, uh, and it, uh, we counted the, the, uh, the positive uh, area of the, um, the cancer cell and the uh, tail. Uh, but and the, the difference between the CPS and the TEP is. Uh, uh, CPS count the number of the cells, but the TAP use only the area for that, and the so-called more easier to determine. So, but there is no obvious comparison between the CPS and TAP the evaluation. So now uh, uh, this uh, the evaluation shows up 80% of the concordance between the uh, CPS and the TAP. Uh, so now, so I think the TAP is a more uh, easier and more convenient than the CPS in clinical practice. So uh, the TAP uh, scoring system uh, will be the um, major. So uh, after that, I think. Finally, Natalia Ibahwa from the University of Wisconsin Carbone Cancer Center addresses key considerations in managing oligometastatic gastrointestinal cancer. 
first of all, we need data. We need uh, results or from the perspective of randomized studies, and those studies are ongoing. What we are learning right now is that the biology of the tumor matters a lot. It's not just the number of metastases. It's you know the cytometastases, probably molecular underpinning of the tumor, um, and you know the, the history and prior treatments for patients. There are big phase three studies that are currently ongoing that hopefully will help us further answer the questions of what is uh, true oligometastatic disease and how best to treat those. There are two phase three randomized uh, trials ongoing in Europe that are asking a question of uh, surgical resection of uh, oligo in oligometastatic upper GI tumors. And in the United States, there is an ongoing phase three trial uh, which is open via ECOG Akron EA2183 that I'm chairing that asks um, the question of the role of consolidated radiation therapy in patients with oligometastatic upper GI cancers. Thank you for listening. If you have found this podcast insightful, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at BJ Oncology to join the conversation and check out bjoncology.com for all of our exclusive coverage on data presented at ASCO GI 2024.